Hello and welcome to In A Different League, the official podcast of the original fantasy football game. We're your hosts, me, Jessica Humphreys. And me, Chris Pilau. And here's what's coming up on this week's show. We look back on game week 25 in the Premier League and see what's coming up over the weekend in Fantasy League. No fewer than four guests join us from FIFA. That is the Prudential Holborn Independent Financial Advisors League and the two divisions that make it up. And in part three, Neil Mansfield joins us for some manual assist debate, a lot of it, and that's this week's In A Different League. So Chris, big week for you as a Palace fan. You've got a new manager. I feel like we have to, we have to start there almost. How are you feeling? Well, from a a football fan's point of view, I'm feeling interested, excited, been reading up loads on Oliver Glasner, you know, an exciting future ahead. Uh, If I try and translate that into Fantasy League, I'll still keep saying what I've been saying for the last few weeks and I wouldn't really touch any Crystal Palace players right now. Um, But it does look like it could be um, an exciting future ahead if Palace managed to stay up this season. And who knows, in future seasons to come, we could be talking about Palace players that that you should be getting into your fantasy league teams. Mm. Um, But ended game week 25 watching Everton Crystal Palace, uh, and it was same old, same old from both of those teams, really. And and yeah, that's how it ended, really. And and ended, ended a game week for me where I got 13 points with no Crystal Palace and no Everton players scoring despite having four players playing in that game. Uh, but yeah, that's Palace and that's me. Um, how are you, Jesse? Yeah, I had a, a decent week in Fantasy League. I got 15 points. Um, Arsenal are really dragging me through at the moment. And I had a couple of manual Karu Matoma assists come through, uh, which helped as well. Um, everyone seems to be going along about the same speed in my league. So there's still 33 points between my dad in first and me in fifth. So, but there's eight points between the top three. So it's it's pretty tight at the moment. Well, it's eight points between the top two in our league, and I am number two. But I'm not thinking about you know I was number one very briefly. Uh, I'm just happy to be in the top three, and I, and I think my aim at the start of the season of of finishing in the top three is looking quite solid at the moment. I'm not too worried about catching first. It would be nice, and I'm ch- saying that very genuinely right now, Jesse. I promise. Okay, if we say so. But obviously the big thing in our league as well is who gets sacked at the end of the season and the guy who came in at Christmas hasn't been doing particularly well, Tom, but he did just finish uh, the game week as the best performer and he is closing in, so we're kind of all rooting for him at the bottom of the league to to, to try and stay up if he can. Um, And he's got about a 15, 16 point uh, gap to make up if he's to do that. So plenty going on in our leagues. And inspired, of course, obviously by everything going on in the Premier League, where if we're talking about title runs in ours, in in the Premier League, uh, the top four didn't all win, which is kind of like how uh, it's going to be going from week to week now till the end of the season. And it was Man City who dropped points against Chelsea, your team who played. Mm, yes, I know. I think uh, a bit of a weird draw for Chelsea. I think some... People obviously felt a bit frustrated that it felt like as the game went on, Chelsea just sort of tired a bit and and Rodri was able to pop up with that goal. But I'm not going to complain about going and getting a point away at Manchester City, given the way uh, our season has gone so far. But yeah, doing um, Liverpool and Arsenal fans, I think a little bit of a favour, because certainly going into this weekend, I don't think there were many people who were backing 
Chelsea to to get anything from from that game. And yeah, Raheem Sterling is. He loves a goal against Manchester City. He, he, he's been such a weird player this season because I feel like he kind of does pop up like vaguely consistently with goals and assists, but at the same time he feels like quite underwhelming. Yeah, but then there is always a question mark, and not from me. I, I always thought at one point he was kind of like the ultimate, not the ultimate, but a really good fantasy league player to have or a really good fantasy league player to kind of support having in your team. Uh, certainly when he played for City in that he was so good at driving into the box and that's when you're sort of like you're on the edge of your sofa watching or the edge of your seat in the stadium whatever watching because you're like okay here we go two points three points two points three points he used to do that all of the time uh when he played for City but there was a lot of question marks over him in our league and from various people of like oh you know he's not that great he's not that great he's kind of always been very underrated in our league but I would agree that this season he's kind of you know, ticked along. No, no one, no one's got FOMO that they don't have him in their in their team. But when it comes to Chelsea, I mentioned it last week, and it's a very classic thing to say. I don't have any Chelsea players, so I kind of try and convince myself that I don't want any Chelsea players anyway. But if you had to put, if it was almost like the start of the season again, if you had to put all your eggs in the basket of one Chelsea player, actually, it would be Cole Palmer, wouldn't it? <laughs> but apart from Cole Palmer. Is it really easy to kind of like pick your ideal Chelsea players this season? Because a lot of it has been shared around, hasn't it? Yeah, I think it is hard. And I think I think maybe the player who some people, I guess maybe at the start of the season, might have thought was going to be good and then had a bit of a disappointing start, but I feel like is coming into his own more is Nicholas Jackson. And I know we've spoken a bit about like looking ahead to next season. I think he's obviously someone who it's going to depend if Chelsea do go for someone like Oshiman in the summer, but... Um, again, I think someone who feels like they're sort of finding their rhythm a lot more in the Chelsea team and, and they're playing a lot. So I think, yeah, Cole Palmer's the obvious name in terms of like plus he takes penalties, which is always worthwhile. But I do feel like Jackson's also someone who feels like very relied upon by Potch at the moment, which, you know, for someone like Sterling, like he's been in in and out of the team all, all season. But there is it's it's a lot of flux. And I think also Chelsea sort of have this funny situation where, Players like Enzo and Conor Gallagher, like they play a lot, but for, you know, midfielders in a team that's aspiring to be towards the top of the table, they don't really get many goals or assists. Well, it's interesting we start talking about Chelsea because Chelsea are not going to be featuring this weekend in Fantasy League land. They are playing in the League Cup final against Liverpool. Liverpool are playing or have played by the time this podcast goes out because their game against Luton has been brought forward to Wednesday. So they'll still be part of game week 26. Um, but no Chelsea, a run of nine games or eight games to look forward to by the by the time that you listen to this podcast. Starting with Crystal Palace, kind of all starts with Crystal Palace, doesn't it? Uh, starting with Crystal Palace against Burnley amongst the three o'clock uh, kickoffs on Saturday. Where for me, there's a lot to look forward to. I think um, it's all about the bottom of the table, really, with these three o'clock uh, kickoffs that are happening on Saturday. And I think that kind of we've been saying kind of go for the bottom sides. What I've really meant by that is, and especially after the recent showing, don't go for like the rock bottom sides. I mean, Burnley and Sheffield United are have been really quite terrible. But if any teams have got fight in them, it's the likes of Forest, who are playing uh, away to Villa, Luton, I know, play earlier in the week, uh, Everton, Palace, dare I say, um, and there's Fulham. And Fulham are playing against Man United. And I, I think we're talking about you know, people going unnoticed or clubs going unnoticed. Fulham, for me, 
Fulham have been absolutely terrible away and they've still got to play Palace but otherwise they've they've already played all the teams that are below them in the league I think that Fulham are the ones that are going to get get drawn into this relegation battle as well now and don't really have much going for them in terms of fantasy league again another team where I'm like well I'm not really that bothered I don't have any Fulham players with the exception of maybe Muniz who's now come in Rodrigo Muniz, um, who's starting to get score them points. But yeah, Man United Fulham is, is a big one for me. Yeah, United definitely seem to be on a, a they're on a very good vein of form, aren't they, at the moment? So I feel like that that could be a, a tough one for Fulham. Luton, I was kind of surprised that they sort of struggled so early on against United, but I feel like there were sort of moments for them to try and get back into the game. It just didn't really work out for them. And I think I'm very annoyed because I bought Elijah Adebayo and Diego Jota in my last auction and they're both injured now from this weekend so I was like curses um so that one's been a bit of a and you've got them for a while yeah I've got I yeah and I mean Adebayo I think won't be out for long Jota I'm I'm not so sure about that one but Liverpool have have a lot of injuries and I guess that's quite an interesting one and we know that lots of people have bought in like Connor Bradley for example recently and it looks like Trent's going to be out again but it does feel like if there's an opportunity to bring some of those fringe Liverpool players in um, I think we feel like we've talked a lot about rotating Liverpool players in and out across this season but um, again so Curtis Jones I guess also picking up uh, an injury at the weekend and yeah obviously they'll have played Luton by the time you're listening to this and then it's the League Cup final for them but I think there it's worth keeping an eye on when those players might be back and who might be playing in their absence. Yeah, so the other game's going on at three o'clock. So we've got Palace against Burnley, Villa against Forest. Forest got a clean sheet um, last week, which was sort of like something that hasn't really happened for months and months and months. I don't think there are many fantasy league players who will have any Nottingham Forest defenders in their team. And they really did need that result because, yeah, they're away to Villa. Like I said, they're one of the fighters down there, but they're away to Villa and I think they've got Liverpool at home and then Brighton away. But they're still scoring. They're kind of like, and if they can keep scoring, then those latter two games as well are, are going to be opportunities for them. Um, and I can't believe I just said that. If they can keep scoring, because obviously that's how how football works. <laughs> but they have they have improved their goals under under Nuno. Um, like they've they've got a much better scoring record now compared to what they were like under Cooper. And without really compensating too much in terms of kind of how much possession or, or the way that they're playing. And Awani, I'm just kind of look at Tyo Awani now, and and he recently came back from injury, so he could be one that's kind of like loitering around. If you haven't done your seal bids or anything recently, he not only looks worthy of like getting into your teams if he's, it doesn't exist in your league right now, but is also one to think about for the future. Um, how long he stays at, at Forest is yet to be seen, but but looks like a really quality player there. And yeah, anything else at Saturday three o'clock before we move on to the Bournemouth v Man City Saturday five thirty? Yeah, I mean, I think the that Bournemouth City one is could be. I mean, people are going to have a lot of City players anyway, right? But Bournemouth are on a terrible, terrible run, and City, I think, are going to want a big result after the the Chelsea game. So that feels quite ominous for Bournemouth. They've not won in the league since um, December at this point. So they went on like, you know, it felt like everyone was really all in on them with Iriola and it, they've just sort of dropped off again. And, you know, you're sort of talking about Fulham as a team who could potentially get dragged in. But Bournemouth are also sort of right in that mix of of sides where, so what, they're eight points above the relegation zone at the moment. And yeah, they feel like they're in 
truly terrible form. So that could be, I think, a bit of a hiding to nothing on, on Saturday afternoon. And then we also get a Saturday 8 o'clock kickoff, the Leicester scene, Saturday 8 o'clock kickoff, uh, as Newcastle host Arsenal. Um, Arsenal, who feel like they've really found some very, very good form. Um, they're just scoring for fun, really, at, at the moment. Um, uh, two five nils and a six nil in their last five Premier League games, as I said at the, at the start of the show, the they are just their clean sheets and Bukayo Saka are really dragging dragging me uh, to try and get um, get out of fifth place in my league at the moment. Yeah, I wonder at this stage. You said about Man City, a lot will have two players. I, I wonder with Arsenal as well. Although they play with a kind of a smaller squad, so it might be harder um, to try and lock in having two players. I've only got Ben White um, for Arsenal. Oh, frustrating because he doesn't always stay beyond the 75 minutes uh, for these clean sheets he didn't over the weekend um, and that was irritating and, and and another thing I find with Arsenal is that from a fantasy league perspective it's kind of like they're two of their most important players Declan Rice and definitely Martin Odegaard who's had an amazing couple of games now they're kind of the two most important players for Arsenal in, in how they allow Arsenal to play and how they allow the likes of Bukayo Saka and the other forwards to play as well Martinelli um, but then would you have them in Fantasy League? And I know that Odegaard has scored now in the last couple of games, but he hasn't been having a brilliant season in terms of Fantasy League points compared to how he did last season. And and you do kind of like wonder whether sort of like the desperate um, Fantasy League managers like are going for players who don't won't actually bring them in necessarily uh, Fantasy League points. Um, and, the, and the same thing with Newcastle, really. You know, there's lots of people who may be sort of like ditching their Newcastle defenders and everything. But I think that with with Newcastle, the thing to do is to try and talk about Newcastle without talking about the injuries anymore. We've kind of done it for so long. But really, if you look at their back line, I know that Nick Pope's still out, but they did play their back four in, in um, last weekend. They played Dan Byrne, Trippier, Fabian Scher and... Sven Botman so it's kind of not really about like that 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 their back four is so decimated it's more as well that well Dan Byrne isn't playing particularly well um I think we targeted him in the podcast last week uh, or the weekend before saying like well see which winger they put on him and if they carry if Eddie Howe carries on insisting to play him and he has done he has been rinsed absolutely dry and now he's going to be facing Saka and Odegaard I wonder whether he does play or whether actually Tino Livramento comes in for that game. It is a bit bizarre that Dan Byrne is still starting when they've got Livramento and Lewis Hall on the bench. It's not like they're short of options as you say at fullback but Eddie Howe seems very wedded to him. I don't know whether it's like a height thing. Like I know some managers are I know this is something that gets talked about a lot with Poch that he likes a certain number of headers on the pitch and whether wanting you want someone really tall um, you know, Lewis Hall, for example, he's not a, a tall fullback at all. But um, yeah, it is a bit of a bizarre one, that. Well, let's see how he, and even Livermento gets on against Saka. It's not like bringing on Livermento will completely solve that issue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all pretty much all the games happening on Saturday then, because there's only one game on the Sunday, and that's Wolves against Sheffield United. Uh, before West Ham play Brentford on the Monday. Wolves continue to be brilliant, you know, an amazing result against Tottenham. And I think there have been sort of like a lot of unsung central midfielders. Like I said before, it's kind of like a lot of the good players this season have not necessarily been good fantasy league players. So it's kind of like those unsung central midfielders who aren't scoring fantasy league points, especially if you don't 
play defensive midfielders because with Wolves, like Mario Lamina has been an amazing for them. But I've always said with Wolves, unless you've got a couple of their forward players, it's hard to know who to bring in from Wolves. I've got Cunha, who's obviously injured at the moment, and Max Kilman. They don't get an amazing amount of clean sheets. He has got me a few points over the last couple of months. But then, then again, Wolves are doing things in surprising ways. So is them at home to sort of like a shocking Sheffield United team a bit too easy for them and something that you can't really you know, predict that you, you can just chuck in all the Wolves defenders in there? I'm not so sure. Mm. Um, and then West Ham play Brentford, um, play Brentford on Monday. Brentford, I've never... I, I realised this over the weekend, I was talking to someone, I was like, I don't think I've ever had a Brentford player in my team ever. Wow. Um, I've definitely had Mbwemo before. I might have had Tony at some point. Not when he was good or as good as he is now. Um, never a Brentford player. That's so funny. No. And I do wonder about West Ham v Brentford Monday Night Football, whether there will be a lot of Fantasy League managers watching. An opportunity for Brentford of, players know, to impress. Is that what you're saying? It could be. No, but I'm more, more that like, I don't think it's going to be the most overrepresented fixture in our league th- this weekend. Mm. That there's going to be lots of people with West Ham and lots of people with Brentford players uh, playing in that game completely. And I even think that with Brentford, there's something that that, that Thomas Frank has been rotating so much that I think he's been he's played like the most players, like 19 different combinations of goalkeepers and defenders, is what I read the other day about Brentford. So you don't even know who to pick for your fantasy league uh, team if you are going to be bringing in Brentford players. Mm. I guess interesting from West Ham to see sort of Antonio coming back into the team. Not that it's really doing much for them, but um, interesting to see how Moyes is trying to shuffle it around. But again, a team who just at the moment seem like they're in total free fall. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, that's it for game week 26. Monday, 8 o'clock, West Ham against Brentford. And we'll see what happens in the League Cup. It's weird that the League Cup doesn't have a have an effect on fantasy league but it doesn't it's just a game of football to be watched i know i feel like i want some kind of fantasy league thing for it to like take my mind off it it's a bit like that that thing where you're like oh i can always you know if it's a bad weekend i can always it was a bad weekend for me in the women's game so it was like i was really focusing extra on fantasy league these this week as more of like a you know, pepping me up football-wise. I feel like I need that for the Carabao Cup final because it's the women's international break, so I won't get any, I won't get any endorphins from that side of things uh, this weekend either. Um, I really need a Chelsea. Maybe win. you can just top up the scores anyway, and just and just say that whoever wins the game on Sunday based on fantasy league points wins like an extra competition or something. Yeah, well, but that will be. I know that will be rubbish for me because all my Chelsea and Liverpool players are injured, so. <laughs> So it won't, that won't be doing anything for me based on that game alone. All right, well, uh, maybe that's something for you guys to be doing at home, uh, totting up your League Cup scores if you if you just really need to get your Fantasy League fix on Sunday with just the one Premier League fixture. But that's it to look ahead to this weekend. We've got some guests joining us in part two and we'll see you there. Okay, so this week we have the pleasure and privilege to welcome an institution of football with us, launched in 1992. They call themselves FIFA, just not spelt the same way as you may think, P-H-I-F-A. We have with us Tim, Gary and Mike from that league that's been going on a very long time. Welcome, guys, to the podcast. Hi, morning. 
Sorry, thank you. We've got three on the podcast this week, more than uh, we've had for a while. In terms of authority, who am I asking the first question to? <laughs> who re- best represents the league out of the three of you? Who's the old fart, I think, is what you're talking about here, really. Uh, I suppose I would put my hand up as that one as the chairman of the league uh, and one of the two founding members who started it all in 1992. So that's Tim, uh, 1992, and and you're still going strong. I understand over the, over the years you've had, you're up to nearly 50 managers who've been playing. Do you want to give us a bit of a history and breakdown um, of the league and, and how yeah, it operates? Just, Tim? We, we started in, as I say, back in 92 when it was in the world of, of post and fax machines to make changes and all that sort of lark before the internet came about uh, there were nine of us in an office who decided or a few of us in an office who decided that it would be a good way to, to contact clients which is why we did it and that started with just nine managers by the second year that had increased to 12 managers and then in the third year we made the decision because we had such demand that we split into two leagues of 10 and had 20 managers and from that moment that's exactly what we'd had and we've always now run since then on two leagues of 10 which is which has been really good People have come and gone naturally, but actually there's a fairly good hardcore of people, um, including the guys who are on with us today. There's about 10 of the match managers have been with us over 15 years. About 16 of the guys have been with us about seven years. So there's very much now a core of us who run the whole thing, especially in Division 1. You'll find the Division 1 guys are all the grizzled, hardened managers who basically just love the fact they're in Division 1 and spend most of the time mocking the guys in Division 2, basically, which is half the fun. There's nothing wrong with Division 2, I'll have you know. (laughs) You see what I mean? They kind of (laughs) jump in a little bit with comments such as that, which doesn't help anybody, I don't think, really, to be fair. So we try and wear Division 2 or just ask them to speak when they're spoken to, but tends not to work too well. If I'm brutally honest. Um, so it's been about, I say, it's been about 35 years. And 20 years, we actually had your main man turned up to our 20th anniversary and joined us then. It's got to the point now we've got trophies are more important. There's no money involved in any of this. No money changes hands because the trophies are now so old and grizzled like the managers. Basically, <laughs> it's just the credibility and the, and the um, banter and the bragging rights, basically, when you win trophies now. So it's been good. It's been really, really good. We have a lot of fun. Mike, how are you feeling about being repeatedly referred to as uh, hard and grizzled in that introduction? Uh, yes, old and grizzled. I am old and grizzled. I've, I've had a tough life. I'm only <laughs> one, as you can see. But yeah, the very fact that my son is in the league as well now, and he's won the league as many times. I say the league. He's won Division One as many times as I have. Um, that says a lot. I introduce you, obviously, as FIFA. So FIFA represents both leagues, right? Leagues one and two, but it's, it's spelt differently, P-H-I-F-A. Yeah, basically, the company we worked for at the time was Prudential Holman, hence the P-H part, and Prudential Holman role was deal with people like Mike, um, who were independent financial advisors, I-F-A. And so we just basically linked the two together got ourselves PHIFA and suddenly realised we had a nice play on words, which was FIFA. Uh, and naturally that remained. It was also a good way to get it past management when they were asking why we were doing something, something <laughs> this sort of thing in company time. And of course we were going, well, yeah, but it's good for the company because we're contacting clients every week. And so they were happy with it. So how was the how was the company element? What you were reaching out to people and being like? Yeah, so we were work. we were just we were a company dealing with independent financial advisors. Most of us were sales guys who were trundling out to see an independent financial advisors. So we would we agreed then to set this league up in the December. We'd seen it in well magazines as it was in those days, and decided we'd have a go, and reached out to about four or five IFAs that we were dealing with at that time. They joined the league with about four or five of us in Prudential Holborn and we set the whole thing up 
And then basically the league, the t- in those days, we feel so old now, but in those days the league would arrive in the post on Tuesday morning. Uh, I would then stand by the fax machine on Tuesday morning and fax out the league tables and all the league sheets to all of the managers, to the other five managers who weren't in the office or just copy it and stick it on the, the desks of the guys in the office. They would then phone around and have a bit of banter and see how they're doing and laugh at people who were losing and cheer people who were winning, that sort of thing. I mean, the first winner was one of my IFAs who won the whole thing. So as I say, it was myself and John Shepherd. And then there's a couple of guys who joined 93, 94 when we expanded to 20 and they're still there. You're not the first to be running multiple divisions at the same time. It actually came up in conversation in my league this week um, and people couldn't get their head around how there could be a different league and who would be speaking to who at, what, at various points and that there is, you know, different players playing in different leagues and everything. Do you want to kind of give a bit of an advertisement about how it works because you've been doing it for so long? And, and the splits between Division 1 and 2 and, and who gets relegated, um, who gets promoted and, and how it all works and why it's the, the best way of playing. Yeah, sure, we could ask Gary about that. I oh, know, sorry, Gary, you don't know about Division 1, do you? Sorry, mate. I'm not relegation mind. either. I've never been relegated. <laughs> no, no, that is true. That is true. Well done. So basically, the, the league runs as two leagues of 10. They run literally independently in the, in the fact that we have two different auctions that are run at the time. We have one cup competition so you'll play all 20 teams will be in the cup competition all 20 teams will be in the FIFA Vars competition which is just finished and then we start the cup competition so all 20 teams are in that so naturally there might be some duplication of players in that but the two leagues are run separately you know Haaland is in Division 1 and Haaland is in Division 2 for example the bottom two are relegated and the top two are promoted and then we have a playoff proposition as well between 8th and 3rd this causes so much banter as you can tell already between all of us Division 1 this year is a perfect example of that one of the guys has gone a long way clear at the top of division one although he is slowly being wheeled in by the guy in second place but the other eight of us have no interest in the league title anymore because he's too far ahead but far more importantly the other eight of us are sitting there panicking about relegation and as you can tell the banter between division one and division two is such that nobody in division one wants to get relegated into the dregs that is division two (laughs) and everybody in division two is desperate to get out of the dregs and into the big boys league I think we need a right of reply here from from the Division 2 attendees on this Zoom call. Um, who else on the call is in Division... Oh, it's just me, is it? In okay, <laughs> that, okay, I guess that's me that's... And, and, and Stuart, to be here. fair. Yeah, I'm, I'm in Division 2 as well. Oh, Stuart's joined ah, us. Well, Stuart. Nice <laughs> so from my point of view, I seem to be able to cripple Premier League footballers just by <laughs> putting them in my fantasy football team. Um, you know, they could be perfectly healthy at the beginning of the season. Then they get a memo saying that you're in Gary's fantasy team and that seems to be the end for them. I mean, at one point at the end of last season, out of my 15 players, I think I had nine of them were injured. And, you know, I think I've got a fairly reasonable team. I mean, Stuart will tell you, earlier on in the season, I was bragging about I'm going to win the second division this year um, because I think I've got a fairly reasonable team. Obviously, um Newcastle's goalkeeper, Nick Pope, got the memo and he decided to go off injured long term. So uh, I found that Vicario, the Tottenham goalkeeper, was available and doing very, very well. I'll thank you very much until he got into my fantasy team and then he started shipping goals like it was uh, going out of fashion. Similarly, I've managed to crop Man United central defender. Uh, what's his name? Gabri- uh, not Gabriel. That's Martin- the- Martinez. Martinez. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> ben Chilwell seems to only be injured when Chelsea keep clean sheets. 
John Stones has been out long-term injured, comes back, and they ship a couple of goals, and then he goes off injured again for another game. Um, and then he's been left out ever since. Uh, I did actually try the ploy of going for Tony, uh, Brentford striker this year, even though he was out for six months, because I remember in a year previous or a few years previous now when uh, my nephew who's also in the division um, he selected Suarez from Liverpool when he was suspended for the first half of the season and Suarez came back um, and he ended up winning the league or going or getting promoted so I thought I would try that and uh, I've still yet to see how that's going to transpire obviously because it's early doors but he seems to be getting off to a decent start Um, I've also got most salary in my team because I figure or I've been told and I've witnessed it for myself that having a marquee striker in your team is also a very good idea so I've got Mo Salah in my team obviously he got injured at the uh, African Cup of Nations but he's back now and scored a got, got a goal and an assist at the weekend so all is not yet lost um, I've got seven strikers in my team including Danny Welbeck including Antonio <laughs> from West Ham all of a sudden the, the, the link of Danny Welbeck and all the other credibility you were getting there about picking players is just gone Listen, Danny, you've got Danny, Danny Welbeck. Welbeck. Danny Welbeck may not be everybody's perfect choice to lead the line, but um, he's doing a lot better than some of my other players, I'll have you know. Dominic Calvert-Lewin can't score for Toffee at the moment. He's in my fantasy <laughs> team. Um, I managed to pick up Jeremy Doku or Doku for nothing um, just after the start of the season, um, and he came out the traps flying, got me something like... 12 points one week on his own and has done nothing since. So he's obviously got the memo that he's in my fantasy team. So, Jesse, um, you'll see, this This is why we don't give Division 2 the right of reply. Yeah. It's never their fault. Yeah. It's never their was, fault in Division 2. You see what I mean? I'm trying to tell you all, it's not my fault. <laughs> Kieran Trippier, same thing with Kieran, Tri- Kieran Trippier. I had two Newcastle defenders, well, a Newcastle defender and goalkeeper at the back, and they were going fantastically well until they found out that they were in my fantasy team. And now, what was happening in the early days with Kieran Trippier was quite interesting. Newcastle were keeping a clean sheet, but Trippier was being substituted just before the threshold when I would get my three points. So I'd only ever get one point for Kieran Trippier unless he scored a goal or got an assist. You know, more recently, as you'll all be aware, Newcastle are shipping goals for fun. So, yeah, he's sort of going backwards at the moment. So, yeah, as Tim says, you know, the overriding um, reason for my persistence in Division 2 is that everybody keeps getting injured for me or or, or turning into crap players. This is, just to confirm again, this is Gary's, Gary's oh. eighth year. In, no, actually, his ninth year in Division 2. His ninth year yeah. in Division 2, this is. Never even had a sniff I'll, of I'll tell you promoted. what happened. A few things happened there. Okay, Firstly, Gary, that seemed to have been a very cathartic experience. And I hope it leads to good things. Maybe getting it all off your chest, you could hear it happening. There was like a clip that went out on social media this week. I don't know how old it was. And it was Stuart, of Stuart Pearce talking about fantasy football. He was talking about FPL. And he was saying how he was helping his son or his nephew or something play the game. And how he ended up calling Sir Alex Ferguson at one point when he was still England under-21 manager when Stuart Pearce was to find out whether a player was playing that weekend and he kind of did it under the disguise of oh he needed to know for the team or not and he was kind of like giving away a secret that he'd done that way around whereas I like to think Gary that maybe it's the Premier League managers that are going to be getting in touch with you and finding out who you <laughs> brought into your team so that they know that they can stay, stay completely clear I'd like, I'd like a co- that, copy that of the had. sealed bids copy of the sealed bids we send out exactly. who's Gary got who's Gary got he's got exactly. oh he hasn't really he's not picked him <laughs> Yeah, really? but to be fair, they'll, they'll only do it once because when they get that reply, they won't ring him again, will they? 
<laughs> and another thing that happened there is just you could see Tim and Mike's eyes just sort of glaze over because all of this was just of no interest to them, Division 2 chat. But some per- one person who it might have been an interest to is Stuart, who's also joined us on the call now. Stuart, I understand that you're one of the most recent people to have joined uh, FIFA only a couple of years ago or so. You find yourself in Division 2, but you find yourself with a good chance of getting promoted out of Division 1. How have you found joining this league and being a part of this league with uh, with these guys and, and everything that they've been doing for so long? Yeah, really, really enjoyable. I've been in it for three, four years now, I think it is. Um, he, I've always said to Tim that I think to myself that I'm sort of fairly knowledgeable about football, although I am a QPR fan, so you can kind of put two and two together on that one. But I've done various forms of fancy football and still do with other friends, and Tim kind of explained it to me. So, yeah, when I joined a few years ago, it was really interesting. I like the auction aspect of it. That was probably the thing that joined the most. I, th- I think I've got a good chance of getting out of Division 2, albeit the guy that's top is, is a bit clear, to be honest, so it's going to be difficult to catch him. I'm not so concerned about Gary because Gary like talks a good game, but generally speaking, I don't think he's got a chance at Does all he? to yeah, get promoted. <laughs> but no, it's going to be interesting. I mean, the guy at the top's got Harlan. Harlan's just come back. He actually at the auction, he actually bought Harlan and Kane, so spent quite a lot of money, quite a lot of his budget on those two on a, on a bit of a, obviously a bit of a gamble, and then Kane then left. So yeah, he's he's going to be difficult to catch. But hopefully, I can try and. I'm, of aiming for second now, I think, rather than aiming for the top. Me no, too. <laughs> Mike, I feel like we've we've now heard a lot about people who are trying to make their way up the ranks of FIFA, but it says here that you are one of the best record holders for trophies. So what what's your key to success? I, I think it's my all round ability to have no one single strategy at the auction. I tend to tend to rock up with a number of strategies in mind. So I usually get a decent team. And and it, it's interesting. I, I, I don't, unlike the other guys, because I don't support a team that's in the Premier League, I don't have to buy Chelsea players or I don't have to buy Arsenal players. I think that helps in a way, because frankly, if, if Watford or Ipswich get there, I'm probably not going to buy their players anyway. <laughs> that is a valid point as well, because yes, I do feel obliged to buy Arsenal players, but also to the same extent, under no circumstances, going to buy Tottenham players either. Yeah, but you have suffered. You have bought Tottenham players now. You went for years without buying a Tottenham player, but the pragmatic reaction to that is you don't want to get drop in Division 2, do you? Yes, you have, it's as simple as had, that. You had that yes. a couple of years ago, and it was so embarrassing for you, and you so much <laughs> that you had yes. to get back up again. It, it, it is true. You do what you need to do at the end Absolutely. of the day because you can't be in the dregs of Division 2. You have to fight your way back and get out. I, I well, had, that's true. You have, you have had, bought a Luton player, which is disgraceful. Well, for you, it's disgraceful. I, I held the record for being the longest in Division 1. I was 28 years in Division 1 from the start all the way to I won the league, I think, in 2020 it was. And then the following year got relegated finally into Division 2. And honestly, there was dancing on the streets in FIFA World. <laughs> there really was. I've never seen such celebration as Peanuts Vones that Peanuts finally dropped itself down in Division 2. And then I found out how difficult it was to get out. Oh, no, no, I didn't actually. It only just took me two years to get back, Gary. You don't have to take quite that long. But you, <laughs> you can, with decent management, you can get back out of Division 2, Gary. Um, what, what, what was lovely is that you kept us going during COVID because it was a little bit like Liverpool. You know, you were top of the league in 2020 and we were all hoping the league was going to be cancelled and that <laughs> peanuts rose to peanuts in Liverpool wouldn't get that league title. 
Secretly, I was a bit in telly there. <laughs> you can tell there's a lot of banter in this league. A lot of banter and also kind of a lot of traditionalism. Your fantasy league purists, we can see the, your scoring matrix. You've decided not to touch it uh, ever since the beginning. Uh, you like the, the old rules, the simple rules, the way they're played. You've also got a subs, a subs limit. You didn't, re, you didn't like super subs. You don't even like unlimited subs. Do you want to talk us through that and also your desire never to, to stray away from the sacred original fantasy league rules there's, there's a couple of things around it one is the fact that broadly we're all old farts who really don't do change very well to be fair i've got 20 managers all of them in their 40s apart from the young children who keep butting in and coming up with fancy ideas and as long as we keep them pushed down and quiet then we can we, we don't do change but i think also the, the main reason we stuck with three substitutions is we generally have this feeling that if you're in an auction and you buy a team and it's your team you should then be forced to manage that team and it shouldn't be a process whereby you would simply set up an, an it system that would do your substitutions for the weekend and you'd put your feet up we like the idea that you are restricted to only three substitutions in a game week, whether there's no games or whether there's two sets of games or three sets of games or whatever it may be. And then you as a manager have to make a call as to whether a player should go in. And a perfect example of that, I missed Concer's clean sheet a couple of weeks ago against Sheffield United because I'd already made the decision that I had three changes. I wanted to get Foden in on the Sunday game, I think it was. And it was a call of either playing Foden or playing Concer because other changes had happened midweek which meant I only had one substitution left at the weekend. I, I missed out on Danny Welbeck's goal this weekend because I put Antonio in before uh, before the end of the week. So, you know, unfortunately, I couldn't slide Danny Welbeck in there for uh, for the three points. Did you pay for Danny Welbeck? What do you think? Yeah, it was interesting with Danny Welbeck. You actually had the party manager phone you up asking you to play Danny Welbeck, wouldn't you? If you can have Danny Welbeck, then hopefully he wouldn't have to play for Brighton too much. <laughs> he, knew he, well, he knew he was sitting on my bench, so he knew he wasn't going to get injured this week, that's for sure. So that's probably why I put him in. So, yeah, so we start with the kind of traditional rules of, of three changes we, we discussed. We actually had one season when we had unlimited changes because we thought we would try it, being, you know, we, we, we're keen to do these sorts of things. and went on to unlimited changes and it seemed like a good thing to do at the start. And then we all suddenly realised that it isn't what Fantasy League is about. Fantasy League is about having a look at your squad, having a look at the games at the weekend, trying to make a call as to who you're going to do. We have, we have sealed bids once a month that we do. And then that week that, that you have transfers and we limit the amount of transfers you can have as well. We don't allow people to change their whole team. You just have a limit of eight, eight transfers in the first half of the season and then eight transfers again in the second half of the season. And it's very much to force managers to manage their team. Um, and to make sure they're making decisions about what they have to do rather than sim- simply setting up a process of is this or is that. And the, the final simplicity thing comes around the, the fact that a lot of us have used FBL, to be honest. And let's face it, I don't think the people who run FBL know how the FBL points work type thing. It just seems to be, oh, it's a Monday in February, we'll give extra points to Salah. And, you know, it's a Tuesday in September, and so we'll give a couple of extra points to three Arsenal players. Nobody has a clue what's going on. And the joy of Fantasy League is the fact that we know a goal goes in you get three points yeah a guy crosses the ball you get two points you don't have to worry about whether they got a yellow card for ripping their shirt off so yeah it's just necessarily agree with that, makes Tim. it good I don't necessarily agree with that Tim because I had Dominic Calvert-Lewin in my team when he scored that wonderful goal line header that 
in the kneecap of one of his colleagues and all I got was an assist for that. <laughs> now, I mean, you know, the bloke just literally got in the way and he was frankly lucky not to be offside, but I didn't get a goal for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And I think I he's think... now about 16 games without scoring. Dominic Calvert-Lewin's listening to this podcast right now praying he's manager. He's taking out of your team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just so he can score again. <laughs> it's a shocking state of affairs. Gets an assist when it's clearly his goal. But anyway. Yeah, it should have been offside though it shouldn't have been a goal in the first place the funny thing was I was actually so, watching the game live and I was looking at my team and when the goal went in he got three points and I was thinking like yes they've given it to Dominic Calvert-Lewin and then like ten minutes later it went back down to zero and I'm like zero must at least be an assist for crying out loud <laughs> and then it was later credited as an assist but for a while then I was my wife was telling me to stop shouting at the TV so. yeah. that is the great thing about fantasy league is that you know if if, you did, if we didn't have this going on who would watch Everton Crystal Palace on a Monday night for heaven's sake yeah I'm not even sure Everton and Crystal Palace fans would have watched Everton and Crystal Palace ask, on the Monday Chris? night I, I did watch it and I did um, think that after the first half <laughs> I was like, at least that was a good, good performance Adam Wharton that I could uh, oh, well, that was worth remembering from that first half but yeah it wasn't it wasn't a brilliant game to watch but you're right and you're right that you do find yourself as a fantasy league manager watching certain games or keeping tabs on certain games that you otherwise you wouldn't uh, finally just to wrap up I mean you say that you've brought in um, you know there are sons playing and you've got the younger generation how much do they enjoy the game and, and, and how would you kind of like sum up what it what it brings to you kind of away from football in that you're, you know you, you guys are all regularly chatting with each other the friendships have gone on from work or not from work whatever it is and basically the the power of fantasy league how could you sum it up well I think it's great because I'm very lucky my son still comes to football with me so we go sort of week in week out home and away to footy and we're always constantly chatting about fantasy league what I love most is that when I'm watching fantasy league uh, uh, premier league games in the other room and I'm shouting at the tv my wife will go oh was that one of Max's players who scored not, how are you getting on, dear? It's, oh, how's your son getting on? Is he doing all right? Is he going to stay up this year? Yeah, I have the same problem with my wife. When we'll get to seal beards, and if Charlie's in the same league as me, as far as I'm concerned, Charlie's my son. As far as I'm concerned, he's just another manager. He's not my son. He's simply another manager. So we'll get to about the, the closing time for the seal bids where they have to be by 6pm on a Friday, and it's quarter to six, and I've heard nothing from Charlie. And I'll have my wife, his mother, going, well, have you texted him? Have you told him? And I'm going, no, of course I haven't told him. It's his business. <laughs> Well, why haven't you? Why haven't you told him? And I'm going. He's above me in the league. Why do you think? <laughs> but yeah, so all of a sudden he gets a text from his mother going, "Do you remember it's Cecil Bids in 15 minutes?" <laughs> my brother and my nephew are both in the league as well, and my nephew likes nothing. They're needless to say, they're both in Division One, while I fester in Division Two, <laughs> um, and they love nothing more. My nephew loves nothing more than giving me stick about you know how crap my team is and how badly I'm doing and you know especially occasionally he has dropped down into division two and then he sort of bounces straight back up again and uh, yeah he loves to give me plenty of stick for that but I just wanted to pick up on a point you made earlier as well about players from your own team playing and things like that I also find that if I'm watching I'm a Chelsea fan and if I'm watching Chelsea play and I've got one of the players in the opposition team doing quite well and he gets a goal you sort of watch a telling go yeah, yeah, it's not so bad. You know, he may have scored against <laughs> Chelsea, but I do get three points for that. So it's not the end of the world. <laughs> but I think, as you can tell, the, we've gone for a long time, but the best decision by a long way, if I was endorsing anything about 
kind of what we do. The best decision we made by a long way was the one we made 30 years ago, which was to split into two leagues of 10 because it just maintains the interest of the league. You know, we've got the 10 guys in Division 1 remain absolutely attached to the league all the way through to the end because if you're not with 10 people if you're not involved in the in the championship title you're almost certainly involved in relegation and it's the same in league two because we have a playoff place you can be sixth or seventh come march april time and most managers sixth or seventh have lost a bit of interest because they're not going to catch the leader for us third place makes the playoffs and the guys are still absolutely involved and absolutely wrapped in it so i say to any league if, if you're 16 of you in a league find four more people split into two leagues of 10 and your enjoyment will just go up no end it really would well we'll clip that up we'll send it to my league and we'll send it to all the leagues out there um, everyone should try and recruit 10 more players and, 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 and get a secondary league going in their league. I'm tempted by it for sure. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure to hear about your league or your leagues. Good luck, Gary. Hope it happens one day. Uh, the promotion to Division 1. Uh, thanks, Tim. Thanks, Gary, Mike, Stuart. And we'll see everyone else in part three. Cheers, guys. Welcome back to part three of In A Different League and we are joined, as always, by Neil Mansfield. Neil, how are you doing? How's life at Fantasy League Towers? All right. Yeah, not bad, thank you. Uh, I think we'll just gloss over my team performance, which just seems to be sort of, you know, I don't know, descending into mediocrity at the moment. I've got all of my lovely midfielders that were scoring loads of points for me have just sort of dropped off. So I've gone for wholesale changes, bringing in Adebayo when he got injured, um, for Farner, I thought I'd give him a bit of a bit of a bit of a go at Burnley, and uh, we'll see whether. And even even after the conversation we had last week about Brodger, I've gone for a bit of a Brodger gamble. But since then, I don't think he's even started or come on for about fifteen minutes. So no, I um, think he was ill at the weekend, which probably didn't help. But yeah, good. So yeah, no, not too bad. I think the biggest thing to debate this week in Fantasy League Towers is. Probably Martinelli <laughs> and a manual assist that that wasn't given. It's it is a really interesting one actually because I think the the footage doesn't doesn't sort of um, give the best angle. But we sort of looked at this, we scrutinised this. In fact, I've even sent out uh, I think to one uh, one manager we mailed this morning a still um, just showing some angles of match of the day. And I think the key thing here is. The sort of the cross in from Martinelli looks as if it goes directly to Odegaard, but actually it does flick off the back or the the underside of the foot of Lorenz Azignon, um, if that's the correct way to pronounce his name, and sort of then loops over towards Odegaard. And you, you can actually see it, you know, there's a couple of angles that are shown in terms of, you know, the original cross of Martinelli is at a slightly different angle. The players he's aiming for are the, are the two strikers in front uh, of Odegaard. So there are a couple of angles which show it, but um, they're, not the, they're not the best. But there was a deflection. It, it Not only does it slow down the ball, but it loops at a different angle as well, um, even though that isn't particularly clear um, from any of the, the sort of the sky footage or match of the day. Um, but both of them are clear. So in the end, we we didn't award that for Martinelli. Um, that one got a lot of uh, controversy, didn't it, Neil? Yeah. There was that one, and there was also a Jacob Ramsey one as well, I think. Uh, but but there was a lot of heat 
on Fantasy League Towers this weekend? I think I think the, the Martinelli one is is the most we've had for a little while. Um, just into not so much heat. I think it's just genuine questions, and I think it's very difficult to see. Normally, you have a an angle that's behind the goals that give an alternative angle, but for some reason there wasn't. Um, so the only angle you've got are from the left hand side looking across the pitch. Um, so it doesn't give the best view of the deflection. So no, that was that was the biggest one. The other the other one was the Ramsey goal uh, or the Ramsey assist for the Watkins goal. That does deflect into William probably twice. There's no sort of you know JFK sort of you know angles here um, that we talked about last week or the week before. Um, it's an official the... term now. I know. <laughs> Um, JFK but, assist. <laughs> yeah, we need to we need to get that out on on Twitter Xland, don't we? Really, but no. The final, as we've written that now, uh, the final touch from William deflecting the ball towards Watkins, who then goes on to score. Um, so that's that's definitely not one. We've we've had an interesting couple in as well around the the Rodri goal, which I'm struggling a little bit really to sort of understand. And that's um, you know the the original shot that comes in from Walker. Walker, yeah, absolutely. And whether or not, you know, he should get an assist for that. But it cross or shot, it, it's immaterial. It takes a huge deflection, almost at a sort of a right angle into sort of the path of Rodri. So it's not a clean pass. It's a massive deflection. So that's that's obviously not an assist. The other one that's come in also on, on Twitter recently is some questions. I think it's only from a couple of people. And that's around goalkeeper parries and, and own goals, which I think is probably worth, worth just clearing up briefly. And that is that, you know, in the, in the event of an own goal, the player from the attacking team who touches the ball immediately before the defensive intervention is awarded an assist. So this, this sort of comes into sort of a live gameplay this weekend with uh, Matoma. Uh, assist that we awarded, which is based on our, you know, defined rules, is is absolutely uh, in line with the definition of a manual assist. And the other one was about goalkeeping parries, which again relates to the second assist in the same game that Matoma got as well. So all I would suggest is that they are quite clearly defined on uh, the website under. Uh, the game guide. So have a look on there if you're not quite sure. But those two rules around goalkeeper parries and uh, specifically own goals have been defined for quite a number of years. So there's nothing new there. It might be just worth everyone having a quick read of those. And it goes back to, I remember what you were saying um, in one of the earlier episodes, Neil, is that it's kind of, you do want people to get points. Now, Martinelli owners can, can cover their ears for that sentence. But you do want... Uh, you do want fantasy league managers to get points, so it's a way of trying to give points out there in a, in a game where points are so few and far between because, compared to other ways of playing fantasy league. And you know, we we spoke about a bit about that in part two as well. But you're not going to get that many points, so why not give the assist for an own goal to the, to, to the guy who went for the shot, um, and it comes off the goalkeeper. Um, and similarly with your manual assists, it's it's a way of just trying to get a few more points out there. Um, for fantasy league managers, yeah, absolutely, and I think I think the key point to note here: this isn't we're not we don't try and remove points. What we're trying to do is be consistent. So it, it is about making sure that you know any manual assist we award aligns with any, anything we've awarded earlier on in the season. It's not about taking points away or not giving points. It's just making sure that we're consistent with the season. And I think we've been extremely consistent this year. We've probably been slightly tighter on, on deflections this year than we have done, perhaps in previous years. But I think we followed that theme all the way through from the start of the season. So it is, I think that's a key thing. 
thing to remember here. We're not trying to take points away. We're just trying to be fair. And I think the other thing that um, is worth noting is that everyone draws a lot of comparison to uh, FPL. And thankfully, as I've said before, you know, we have our own rules. They are outlined quite clearly. And I think it's it's quite refreshing that, you know, we have our, a, a specific set of guidelines that we follow and apply consistently every week, um, as opposed to the slightly bonkers decisions that FPL make, you know, on a week by week basis. Um I would also say there's one other thing that's popped up quite frequently in Fantasy League HQ this week, and that is uh, we're getting a number of uh, requests for people who are forgetting to set super subs. So what I just wanted to do is just remind people that whenever you make a substitution, a transfer, or indeed a sealed bid, or when the chairman completes the sealed bids, all of your all of your super subs that have been set up will be cancelled. They will need to then be reset and resaved. And don't forget to request that email confirmation. It's really important. It makes things at our end really easy then to administer and just apply the points back. So just a friendly reminder, you know, if you do make transfers, sealed bids, or even a substitution, that will clear out any super subs you have in place. Wow, it sounds can, can like Can I go one step made... further and read their email? Because there are people who are not reading the email. Uh, lots of people don't necessarily read their super service email, which is fine because a lot of people, you can just refer it to it if you've got an issue. But yeah, it's a nice I keep a bit as a receipt. Yeah. You know. It, yeah. It, it, I don't exactly. read it. No, I, you don't. I read done. it. No, because sometimes sometimes it comes up comes comes off like wrong. This happened over the weekend in our league. And like this, it I, I just, it takes, there are some people in our league who don't, who, 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 actually refuse to do the email and that's what like i understand maybe forgetting or like you know i can't bother people who are like no no no, i refuse to do it i don't really understand and then i just think if you do it you may as well just click on the email scroll down it takes an extra three seconds and then you won't have any issues it's a it's a real good sense check as well because you know more often than not you know i would say 99 times at home the system's absolutely fine and it will it will place the correct players on the pitch there are occasions maybe you know one in uh, i don't know however many but a, a small amount where the player might not necessarily be on the pitch so it's a really good validation and actual fact sometimes a lot of people will just go and click accept and save accept and save all the way through really quickly and won't necessarily think about changing players and bringing them off pitch so that email is a real validation of your choices that you've made for the forthcoming fixture. So it's definitely worth requesting. I'm not one of those, you said it was like a receipt, Jesse, and I'm not one of those people who reads a receipt when I leave a shop. Um, but I will read my confirmation email. <laughs> Why would you? Re- I'm more likely to read a receipt when I leave a shop. Will you? We're what very you just opposite go to people. Like, yeah. Okay. Really? So well, like you go leave a supermarket and you'll read the receipt. Sometimes I like, you know, want to check what my Nectar really card like... savings have been. Check <laughs> oh, yeah. that all my really prices like... have been applied. You know, I don't really like requesting for them. Any, anyway, enough right. about Nectar cards. Let's <laughs> let's bring it back to football, right? So yeah, I want Tesco to end club cards. Other ways. <laughs> I want to end on transfers in. We'll ignore the transfers out, as I normally do. I like enjoy a bit of fun. Can you name the top transferred in player? And would you like a clue? Before you start, Neil, you know that we need the clue. Right. We've been really bad at this game. <laughs> so the clue is he's a defender. He's had a um, lot of stick over the past 12 months. Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire, well then, Jesse. Yeah, absolutely. Is the most transferred in wow. player. 
interesting. You got transferred in our league last week. Yeah. And on that bombshell, to quote a famous program, <laughs> I should probably end. But yeah, well done, Harry Maguire and anyone that's brought him in. And there's an awful lot of you that have brought him in. Well, that wraps us up very, very nicely for this week. Neil, before we go, how are you feeling about um, Carabao Cup on Sunday? Confident? Yeah, it is. Bit of a battle here, isn't it? I, I, I'm a bit gutted about Jota, I've got to be honest. Um, yeah, me too, actually, apart from <laughs> not for that game specifically. but <laughs> I know, but he's been on form. He's really sort of filled in a hole that Salah's sort of... Uh, you know, that Salah left. So, and I didn't necessarily like the way Chelsea played for 70, 80 minutes against City. I thought they were, I thought they were excellent. And I think... I thought you were going to say something rude. I was like, did you want to say again? No, they were, I thought they were brilliant. You're worried. That's what we like to hear. I am a little, a little nervous. Yeah, indeed. Um, we've got a lot of players out, but we we will see. And I'm sure I'll uh, I'll be sending you a little WhatsApp on Sunday after the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if it's anything like recent Chelsea-Liverpool Cup finals, we're in for a very, very boring game and then a ridiculous penalty shootout. So well, let's, we'll look- let's hope it's ended within, within 90 minutes, one way or the other, definitely. That would be my preference. Well, thank you, as always, Neil, for joining us today for part three. Thank you to all of our guests from part two. Thanks to Chris for joining me. And thanks to producer Simon. As always, we'll be back with you next week. If you want to get in touch with us, if you want to come on and talk about your league, if you want to ask Neil a question, if you want to just, you know, show off your tips for Fantasy League, uh, email us on podcast at fantasyleague.co.uk. You can find us on social media at Fantasy League. For now, we'll see you next week.